I've spent the last year putting the pieces of my life back together after I lost everything in my six-figure marketing business. So yeah, I loved that agency. And now I'm taking my decade plus of traditional marketing experience, combining it with the latest online marketing techniques and starting again from scratch. The question is, how will I do it? With the new challenges like cash flow, debt, and no team. This podcast is here to give you the answer. So join me and follow along as I apply and share marketing strategies to grow my online business using only the simplest, most uncomplicated methods. My name is Samantha Gooden and welcome to Marketing Launch Radio. Okay, welcome. (laughs) Welcome to Marketing Launch Radio. I am here with Christine Light. Christine Light is, you know, you're just as light as you, you emanate light, you exude light. Being around you is an illuminating experience, and I want all of my, my, my listeners to hear that and to know that. Um, Christine and I met, wow, Christine, it's probably over, over a year ago now, or about a year ago when we very first met, and we had a great bonding experience at that time. We had no idea how things would blossom, and now we are doing wonderful kind of partnerships and JV stuff, but I introduce you to the Marketing Launch Radio um, listeners as a woman who has taken a powerful journey into herself to come out with her message. Thank you so much for doing that, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Samantha. I'm so happy to be here with you. And that was a beautiful introduction. I'm blushing. (laughs) It's all true. It's all true. It's just, it's just all true, Christine. You have. Um, so you're a coach, right? And you have created this whole kind of rewilding movement, which helps women reconnect with themselves. But it wasn't always that way for you. Where did you start? And how did you even get into the coaching space? It's a great question. Thank you for asking that. It's, it's so funny, because the way that I feel I started is as a young child, saying that the meaning of life was love. It was like something that I said from the time I could remember wow. speaking or even thinking. It was like I would want to curl up on people's laps and listen to their hearts. And so my whole life long, I had this message for, for myself and for others that there was always something more. There was always something greater and bigger that was inside me and inside all of those around me. And it, for me, it was this wild fascination with trying to figure out what that was. So I went through theater. I grew up doing theater and then I went and I taught for a couple years and then I landed at a corporate job and, uh, and when I was in Cleveland and there I, I thought to myself like, wow, by all accounts, I've made it. Like I am making a really fat paycheck right now. I am managing 30 people. I have all the, all the, uh, the upward mobility one could ask for. I could be in this company and in this kind of a job for the rest of my life and take beautiful, lavish vacations and be great. But I still had that voice inside saying, wait, 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 there's more, there's more. And my heart, it was like my heart swelling out. Um, so essentially the journey from there to where I am now coaching is that I followed this little voice inside of me, took a trip to Ireland a few years back. And that was the beginning of that stage or that next part of the journey for me, uh, which eventually prompted me to leave the corporate job, that there is a, a magic that kind of sparked in me. And once the magic sparks, 
it's really, really, really difficult to go back. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So that was the beginnings of the journey. I could share a lot more detail Mm -hmm. on it if you want. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about the magic sparking because, um, Inside, you know, on on this show, I talk to copywriters, storytellers, marketers, online marketers, you know, business model developers, but no one has ever really spoken about this spark. It sounds to me like maybe a a point of epiphany, I suppose the closest thing to this would be storytelling, where your personal life journey came to a juncture and that's where the spark happened. That is exactly right. The way that you said that just gave me chills because it took me right back to that time. Uh, yeah, but so it was actually when I went to when I went to Ireland. Here's the thing about travel: travel does not have to change us, but travel often does mm-hmm. <laughs> if we allow it to. And the reason that I've kind of created in my mind for it is that we pull ourselves out of our habitual existence for a bit. We might even brush our teeth differently than we do in our <laughs> typical life. But it actually leads us to think about the world around us a little differently. So I went to Ireland. It was my first big trip since I was in Costa Rica when I was 15 years old. So this was huge for me. And I went with a few friends. And what I ended up doing was leaving my traveling companions to go back south to a town called Killarney, which is in the west of Ireland. Mm-hmm. And this was this was the beginning of it for me. And I didn't realize until recently when I was trying to write down this story for myself that I think the spark actually happened that very moment. The very moment... I decided to listen to my heart and say, I know that it sounds wild to leave my three traveling companions who were in Galway City. I was there with them in Galway, which is like three hours north. I felt this pull to go back south to Killarney. And I followed that pull. That was the beginning. (laughs) That was the spark. Wow. Um, Because once I followed that intuitive pull to go back south to Killarney, all I had to do from that point forward was follow each next pull. I had like three or four days I could be in this place, this magical place where there were fairies speaking to me from the trees and from the water, and I could do whatever I wanted. So I just let my heart lead me. And the night before I left, I found myself, again, following just my intuitive impulse. I had planned to do something different that night for dinner. But following the intuitive pull, I went to this little Thai restaurant I had already been to twice. And they got the same meal that I had gotten the two times before. But the difference was that this time, there is this little mountain man named JJ, who was sitting behind me drinking his tea and reading his newspaper. And I ended up being introduced to him by my tour guide, who had dropped me off in Galway City, again, three hours north, like four days ago, who walked in the door of this restaurant and said, Christine, I'd like you to meet my friend JJ. And I'm like, oh, there's this little man who I just had decided to sit next to. We ended up talking for an hour. He's a healer. He told me that I had this like white light in me. And I later came to realize that we all do. But (laughs) if I hadn't had that first spark, that decision to follow my heart and go back down south, uh, that whole intuitive journey would maybe not have happened in that time. I have to think would have happened at some time. But that is the story of my spark in a nutshell. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it was you listening to this voice. It was you listening to this voice and then you taking the decision. So many of us do do hear, but we don't act, right? Um, in Caribbean parlance, in and Jamaicans would say, you know, spirit tick or my spirit tell me, right? Which is just, there's something that I can't see, 
something outside of me that's telling me what I should do. It's giving me an intuitive pull or it's giving me a premonition of something, but most times we don't listen to it. You listened and that's what started the shift in your life. Then what happened, Christine? You know, because you were in the corporate space. How did you get into coaching? <laughs> so I got back and here's the thing that I knew. I had this awareness of the fact that something huge was happening in me. Some mm. big like undercurrent was starting to kind of undulate through and I was riding on this wave that I had never felt before. Mm. So I got back and I said to myself, okay, what are we going to do with this? Because we can't just let this experience like be filed away in our filing cabinet here. Yeah. It's like when you have something like that happen and you feel alive and you feel home and you feel revitalized, like you've yeah. taken a bath and the most yeah. purifying of showers or of waterfalls, what have you. Yeah. You can't just... I mean, you can, and many do just let it fall into the, the background. But for me, I was committed because I had been searching for it my whole life. <laughs> that question of what's more, there's more. And um, so I made the decision when I got back, I said, hey, I'm moving to Ireland. <laughs> you did? I didn't actually move to Ireland, but I said that I was going to move to Ireland. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what everyone around me said. They said, oh, Wow. Are you sure it's not just because you were on vacation and vacation is always fun? Um, and so I realized that the question behind the question for me or the statement behind the statement was, I have been touched by something really magical mm -hmm. and I'm committing to it. That's what I was committing to when I said I was moving to Ireland. Mm -hmm. I happened to meet Jordan, my now husband, five days after I got back from that trip. Yeah. So that was a beautiful thing that happened for me that like, um, and, and when I met him, we started dating and then I was like, you have to know I'm moving to Ireland. So, <laughs> and he eventually came around and said, you know what? I've thought about it and it doesn't matter if you're committed to moving to Ireland. I want to explore this and see where it goes. Um, wow. so Ultimately, I ended up realizing that I didn't have to stay attached to the outcome of moving to Ireland. I had made that, that commitment as a stake in the ground of this is my life changing. So I did something crazy. I did something that people would call crazy. And, and still, it has people with their mouths ajar every time I say it. I went to McMaster Car, which is a place that I worked, and they're a great company to work for. I am not slandering them in the slightest here. But I went there, and I said, hey, guys, here is my 11-month notice. I will be leaving <laughs> in 11 months to the, you know, to the date. And um, I essentially ended up being like the – that story fed, spread so fast because who gives an 11-month yeah. notice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, it would for, but for me, the reason I gave was a, yeah, I'm kind of trying to help the company so they don't spend resources on me and what have you. They can help to develop people who are planning on staying, but also be, I needed to have that stake in the ground mm -hmm. and the, the, and what I was going to do next. I didn't know when I gave that 11 month notice, but <laughs> toward the end of my 11 months, I started getting a little bit stressed out about it. And I yeah. didn't realize my body was telling me I was a little nervous what was happening. So I started, I had like irritable bowel syndrome really come up and um, tell me what, you know, something crazy is going on, lady, you need to figure this stuff out. So I actually joined a four-week group coaching program from who was one, now one of my greatest friends. And I learned that there was so much more, so many more layers to this mm. experience of life than I had really consciously recognized. Um, and that was part of my healing journey at the time from irritable bowel syndrome, funny enough, which is why I also 
got my nutritional therapy practitioner certification because those two together kind of helped me to to heal my my belly, <laughs> my guts, mm -hmm. and my psyche, my being. So then I just decided to do both myself and be able to offer the same to others. Okay. Wow. Like I'm here making notes. I'm here making a slew of notes. And there's a reason for this. Because the more that you spoke is the more that I kept hearing, stay flexible, stay open, stay flexible, stay open, stay flexible, stay open, and always be aware of what the next step is going to be. So the next step appears. You didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the 11 months. You didn't know what was going to happen in, in Ireland. But each opportunity, in fact, they didn't present as opportunities. Each time you made the move to that next place, the opportunity appeared. And sometimes it didn't even seem like an opportunity. And then you walked through the door. This is phenomenal. This is phenomenal. This adaptability, this flexibility, staying open and listening to what the next step is. And it's not always easy. I love how you're saying that because it makes it sound like I'm this total like rock star warrior goddess person, uh, which is great. I love to feel that way. So thank you. <laughs> and I think we all are deep down. Um, but yeah, it's not always easy because we have these stories that we tend to attach ourselves to. You know, the story that that potentially one for me that existed for so long was, oh, I, I, I can't do this because that's for the people who are meant to do the, the, you know, meant to be in the limelight or meant to have the biggest impact, meant to be like wildly wealthy, whatever it was at any stage in my life. I always mm -hmm, thought mm -hmm, that I mm -hmm. was in the that was not supposed to do the big thing. So that for me, in, in putting myself in a place where I would be open to the opportunities that would bring me to the, like my greatest and most joyful experience of this human life. Mm. Yeah. I had to set aside those stories. Okay. So <laughs> one of the things I appreciate so much about talking to you, you will just be talking and you'll say things like the greatest and most important aspects of the human experience. I'm like, who talks like that? Only Christine. <laughs> Only Christine people. Only Christine. Here's something you said earlier too. Layers of experience of life. You seem as if you have taken the layers of the experience of your life, put it together and turned it into literally something that you can now coach people on, right? This is the essence of your business um, and your message. How do you consolidate these layers? Like, how do you put them all together? Yeah, it's with a lot of curiosity, to be honest. And it's with this great awareness. It's so I have a this little this little notebook right now I've got it's like everything from a, a thought when I come right out of the shower to first thing when I wake up to what I call shadow writing it's like being willing to be with yourself in all of the moments and to learn from yourself from all of the different vantage points and I find that just by writing it down just by reflecting sometimes it's verbally so that's another thing Jordan and I do together often is just verbalize what are we thinking? What are we feeling? How does this connect to our broader, our goals individually as a couple, as a broader human collective? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, it's very much about having the awareness of them and often putting them on paper or verbalizing them. For me, that helps me to kind of retroactively learn from myself. So it's like you have this multidimensional being because we aren't our past we, and we aren't our we're future. Not, we're not. We're not. In fact, in fact, Christine, if we were to do this, and this is one of the things I love about the way you and I talk, right? Because we, we generally talk 
in multidimensional ways. But we are not our thoughts either. Because many of our thoughts are connected to an identity that actually isn't even who we were. It's either the story we've told ourselves, the story that we've been told. And if we truly want to change our, our lives, we have to change our stories. So I love this thing about being curious, staying curious, because it is the curiosity about these things that then turns us into the inquirer about who we are, helps us to find the truth, and then make the next step. I love it. Mm. Absolutely. Yes, that's exactly right. And it's, so it's, that's the thing though, is that so many of us have this wall, this block between where we are right now and where we can be in each next present moment because we are unwilling to, to look at the labels we place on ourselves. We become so defined by them and so intertwined with those definitions that we feel as though we might literally die if we were to unravel that tying. I mean, it really feels that way. It can feel terrifying. I remember the last time I felt like my ego was dying. I was going to a breath medicine ceremony and I didn't want to go. I was getting nauseous. My whole, I was like, ah, I, I it's because my ego knew that a part of it was going to fall away, mm. that a part of my story was going to be set to the side throughout this, this ceremony and this breath work. And that's exactly what happened. And I understood after it, I was like, Oh, sweet ego. I get it. Like <laughs> we just need to work together so that we can experience things like this breath medicine ceremony and like being like, in this so work with me, life. work with me, ego. Yeah. yeah you totally can do that. The thing is we just develop such a such a toxic relationship with it where we we have this battle and it has to be like the devil and the angel or whatever on either side of the shoulder and it, it doesn't have to be that way. But we've created the story that it does. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my god. I absolutely love this. Absolutely love this. So so Christine, you went through, you did your, you did your uh, consolidation of the layers of your life. And I mean, this is something that's ongoing because we, we're always working on these layers and working through these layers. And as you do that, you came upon this discovery around light, energy, and mitochondria. And this <laughs> is where the spark goes off for me. Tell us a little bit more about that and how on earth you connected your entrepreneurial journey to the mitochondria, which, in fact, tell us, what is the mitochondria? Let's start there. Oh, gosh, <laughs> yeah. So the last time I had heard about it was when I was in eighth grade learning cellular biology yeah. and we had to make cakes where you put like the little, you might use like a licorice or gummy bears or I don't know, little dots to create the organelles on your cell. And I remember all of the only thing I remembered was that our mitochondria were their energy, energy powerhouses. Essentially. Energy powerhouse. Exactly. And that they produce something called ATP, which of course in my nutritional therapy practitioner training, I reminded myself is adenosine triphosphate. And you have a certain, you know, <laughs> how did you remember what ATP was? Listen, I did cell biology. So that's like, oh, but you remembered. Oh my God. Yeah. I think here's the thing. Here's the reason I think I remembered it is because I feel like I am meant to, to be here with the mitochondria right yeah. here, right now. Yeah. And that I am meant to help to, to kind of like bring the collective to consciousness regarding what it is actually there for. Mm -hmm. Because here's my hypothesis and what I'm learning in the research that I'm doing now on the mitochondria. Mm -hmm. It's an organelle in 
to sell. Yes, it, it is that simple. And yet it is so much more exciting and, and actually much more complex. And it's, and it's, functioning than we give it credit for it is not just like the energy producing part of our cell and it's like yes it takes in our food and our you know our our water and, and uses all these inputs and oxygen to create this energetic output that is actually living intelligent light by the way as its output these biophotons it does do that but there is there is there's research now that is showing that also things like like meditation can fuel the mitochondria can and, and color therapy. So it is this energetic organelle, which back a couple billion years ago, it they existed as a bacterial life form that melded with a eukaryotic cell to allow us to embody into flesh. So the way I'm seeing it, if you really want to extrapolate and say spiritual meets scientific, is that these organelles actually allow our spirit to embody we didn't do it before the mitochondria bonded with those eukaryotic cells. We didn't exist this way. Plants didn't exist as complex or, or organisms the way that they do now. We didn't have dogs. We didn't have bears. None of it. So our mitochondria are the very reason. It's like we're a hive mind being. This, All these cells are, are, are part of one. Just as if you want to extrapolate, like all people and all life forms are kind of part of one. But anyway... Yeah. So the mitochondria allow for us to do that. And now that research is showing that the high, it's not just about eating foods like fruits and vegetables and avoiding the refined carbohydrates and what have you that keeps your mitochondria healthy. It's also the meditation. It's also the positive thoughts, the higher resonant thoughts about gratitude and, and love and joy. And why is this important? Well, because if we are engaging in the lower resonant forms of input, let's say exposure, whether it's to story, whether it's to food, whether it's like, I don't know, drinking tons of alcohol to the point of blackout every night, whatever it is, mm -hmm. that is a little like a lower resonant form. Our mitochondria actually can be measured to be spraying our energy out. It's, it's wasting, wow. it's leaking our energy outward. Wow. Whereas the opposite end of that when we are when we are intentionally engaging in higher resonant practices like eating eating the rainbow eating foods mm -hmm. that are healthful and like from the earth for our body and also thinking thought forms that are higher vibration of gratitude and joy and you know meditating spending time in nature our mitochondria are able to more effectively channel the energy that we had into what we want to channel it into whatever that looks like for any given person. It's amazing. It is amazing. <laughs> and while you're talking, like, I, I have one of those feelings like, I want to jump out of my skin right now because I love, I love the, the, the talk about mitochondria, but I love that you have been able to bridge the gap between the spiritual and the biological here and say, hey, we, you're, what I heard was, you are having an energy leak. There is an energy leak in your life. If you are not resonating or allowing your body to connect with thoughts, with foods, with experiences that are of a higher vibration, this is something that you can do. And this is a powerful realization for us as women who are entrepreneurs. Because I'll tell you something, Christian, and I've seen this happen over and over in my own life. One of my biggest um, 
hangups, I think, is that I have gotten to the point of burnout on multiple, multiple occasions, multiple times within my business, putting my business first over myself, putting my teammates first before myself, putting my clients' needs ahead of myself, therefore creating huge energy leaks, lest I call them energy vacuums for myself, and then wondering why it is I find myself in a hospital with a concussion because I... I wound up, you know, getting into an accident because there are no accidents, right? Or why it is that I found myself feeling so very depleted and exhausted because my major client contract went south and left me with no money, no team and no business, right? All of these things are really connected to a huge energy void that we would have created in ourselves from before. And I hope this isn't too woo-woo for people. I hope this isn't too over the heads because this is usually how you and I talk. But the point is that, we, there are ways that we can be feeding ourselves and feeding our energy so that we appear at the very best version of ourselves for our business. And when we're appearing that way for our business, we are making an impact in the world. That's what we want, to make greater impact and ultimately have more time and more money. Absolutely. I love how you just said that. And also the little bit that you threw in there that there are no accidents. You're really calling upon the fact that we are, we, we have the ability to create the reality that we are focused on. So in, in any given moment, it sounds like you were almost reflecting the space of chronic stress. And then that stress was, as you were saying, the energy was leaking and dispersing. And even, even though you might want, you might have that goal in mind because you're, you're kind of like submitting to this state of, of feeling the panic and feeling the fear and feeling the worry and the even shame and guilt and all of that kind of stuff. It's, it's all back. It all feels like it's backfiring, but really it's where you're putting that consciousness and where you're focusing it. And because the consciousness is focused there, like you said, there's no accident. It happens because it's that's where we're focusing our consciousness. Meanwhile, when our consciousness is there, our little mitochondria are like, you are not aligned to your highest good right now. We're not going to put any more of your energy. Honestly, we should be thankful for it because if they did direct our energy to where we're focused on and we're focused on those lower vibrating thoughts and emotions, maybe a lot more than a concussion would happen. So it's like, we should be thankful for them for dispersing our energy outward instead of channeling it all into the the fear-based consciousness. But you're so right. We have such power recognizing that because I feel we can all think of times where we have had an avalanche of what we might call negative events happen to us, that idea of when it rains, it pours kind of a thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how often are we focusing our attention on what, what about the times where we have a bunch of like really positive feeling things happen in a row? What about just starting as simple as focusing on the times in our life where we felt really good, where we could be really grateful for a moment spent with family. Oh, sorry. There was a dog that just ran onto our deck. It was like, whoa, I want to get (laughs) some of this. Um, Anyway, (laughs) that's like the start of it. That's the start of it is to put our consciousness there even for just a moment and allow that to expand. So this is this is amazing because um, as we talk about expansive energy or expanding energy in the point of the positive, there is such a thing as the fear of success. Okay. And I feel as if like when I think about the way that I have uh, like come together with business, I think about the clients that I have coached and even clients now, generally it's not that they don't feel that they can do it because a lot of times they have conscious competence. It is this unconscious part of them that is saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, what if, what if, what if? And a lot of times it's not if, what if, what if, but something bad happens, it's actually what if I do this really well? What if I do this really well? 
Um, and as we go on this, it, it's almost like we're in this positive momentum. We can be as afraid of positive momentum as we are for negative momentum. So based on the work that you've done nutritionally as a coach, and even your awareness of light, of energy, of energy leaks, how would you say we can keep ourselves in this point of positive momentum? <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, I really feel as though we need to consider the entire, the entire experience in order to allow ourselves to continue expanding in, in what you might call the positive direction. So I know that when we start moving into what we would call positive, and we talked, we've talked about this before, Samantha, regarding the rewilding movement yes. and the rewilding framework is that yeah. when you expand and then you decide and you're focusing on a goal, you feel like you're not allowed to go back. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're not allowed because that's what it is. It's that fear of, oh my gosh, I'd become bigger. I'd become I've become more of, of this goddess warrior like being and now people are seeing me and noticing me and like, oh my gosh, what if I fail? What if I can't keep doing this? What if it's like, oh, ah! you know, and then so then we think that then we feel ashamed that we're having those yeah. thoughts. Yes, yes. And, but the thing is, it's an iterative process. It, this human experience isn't meant to be like point A, point B. Oh, good. You're done. It's this like multidimensional, multifaceted learning experience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're going to expand into something new and big and significant if you allow yourself to. And then in order to create something really powerful, you may need to focus in your, your efforts, collapse the wave and get really dedicated and really serious to a certain project, a certain effort. And then you've reached the new level and you, and you've reached your goal and you've reached that new stages of success. And you might find yourself in a place of a void where you're like, Whoa, this feels wild. I don't know what to do from here. Well, guess what? You just did it from that very same place. Step into it again. Be willing to be in that void for a moment. Be willing to even like shadow write. What does it feel like? What can you learn from this space right here, right now? But most of all, be willing to be gentle with yourself in those moments. <laughs> because the like the worst and the most heartbreaking thing I don't mean to say worst because there's no like hierarchy of experience here but the most heartbreaking thing for me would be you think that you're supposed to success looks like a certain way yes. so once you this place you you just give it all up because you're afraid of the very next step yeah. when right on the other side of that very next step is everything you've ever like yeah. hoped to dream for. <laughs> it's like, yes, Christine. Yes. Yes. And I like just hearing you talk. I, I am having a flood of emotions and a flood of memories because you're right. It's uh, how I heard that was at every level, what you're afraid of at that, at that point, the antithesis of it is actually waiting for you on the other on the other side of that fear yes there's yeah. a there's a whole nother level of existence for you on the other side of the fear if you allow yourself to go there and feel that way and um i was i was afraid of showing up i was afraid of doing a podcast again this is my third attempt at a podcast christine and um, it was in my meditation time today or yesterday. I, re I was able to pinpoint why the other ones didn't work out well, right? Where, where the ego was, the, you know, they weren't set in from a place of service. Um, I also wasn't very powerful as far as my voice and why I wanted to serve and where I want to serve and how, but they taught me so much. But also I was starting at the wrong, uh, you know, I was, I was trying to 
to starting at the wrong side of the cat. You know, I was pulling the tail instead of stroking the head, right? And um, click, have you ever, if you ever pull the tail of a cat, you know, not good. Not. <laughs> not good. Not good. Saying, yeah. But stroke the yeah. head and everything. Every, yeah, not good. Um, but stroke the head and everything, everything works out very, very well. And I recognized this that it was because I had made, I don't want to call them poor decisions. Because of where I was in my own level of consciousness at that time, I had to learn those particular lessons that brought me to this space, right? So this rewilding process and this rewilding framework, I want to say how proud I am of you, of just the work that you've been doing in this space, naming it, framing it, and putting it all together. Can you help us understand rewilding a little better? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for your reflections, first of all. Uh, it's been so much fun working on it and also brainstorming and working on it alongside you in many parts of it. So, so the rewilding framework is really about, and I'm calling it the movement now because that's really what it feels like to me, especially bringing in the learning of the mitochondria. So it's, it's about connecting back to the, the bones of your existence, to the cellular biology of your existence in as much as it allows you to marry your physical being and your spiritual being. It allows you to recognize the conversations between that egoic self and the higher self. So it starts with, it starts with a full exploration or awareness of the storybook that you carry. We've talked about story multiple times in this conversation today. Most of us carry stories that dictate our lives and we have no idea that that's what's running us. We think that we're just, that's just who we are. And so we might go our whole lives long with a certain grudge or a certain story that we can't do this because of one simple moment in time, maybe when we are five, six, seven years old even, or, or who knows, maybe when we're 20, they can stick at any given moment. And we add, whether consciously or unconsciously, subconsciously, we add these stories throughout our life. And it's typically the ego that's carrying out that process. And because that's where our consciousness is focused our whole lives long on our egoic selves, most of us don't recognize that we have this other entity that's kind of there, the, the, what our mitochondria are there to help us to kind of do and come awake and aware to. There's that spiritual, that light, that essence that's there to come in and inform with the egoic self. Like, what are we going to record as our story, if anything? What are we going to expose ourselves to? So first step is that awareness. The second step then is to set the vision for now that I know, now that I feel I've done a pretty thorough inventory of what stories are there, what stories would I like to expose myself to? What Mm -hmm. is the vision I have? Now that I know and I genuinely feel that I can create the narrative of my life moving forward, what would I like to, to see there and feel? And then third, once you have kind of like done that cognitive mental work, it is stepping into that void, stepping into that space, allowing so many of us feel like we have to fill every quiet moment with noise. Like we have to fill every void with a coping mechanism. Like if there's not, if there's not movement, if there's not action, we're failing. FOMO, fear of missing out. So many of us live in that state that we, we don't, space is required for us to allow something new to come in. So whether that is actually like clearing out the weeds, like taking things out of your life that are no longer serving you, which maybe that inventory of the storybook can help you with, or sometimes it's simply just sitting and attempting to quiet the mind. 
That might be meditation. For some, that might be swimming, listening to music, spending time outside, playing with your dog. But once you create that space, you can then allow the energy to begin to flow. So the steps of the process really take you from... um, putting awareness on what is dictating your life, deciding what you want to dictate your life, creating space for the stuff that will, for the new items that will come into your life to allow you to create that new story you want to create. And then once you have this flow, because you've unblocked all of those energetic fields within you and those pathways that haven't flowed for so long, now you get to dance and sing and release in whatever way, paint, write, whatever it is, unedited, unfiltered, And then final step in this iterative process of the rewilding movement is to say, now that I know what my flow is, what my true power is, what my goddess or or godlike energy is, is coming into this earth, how can I decide how to use it in a really focused and intentional way for this next step in my life? And again, the process is iterative. So that's going to happen over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. So the power of intention comes back here because you're saying, how can I intentionally use this? What can I intentionally do? Um, And we want to use our powers for good, right? Mm -hmm. Um, As we, as we are being intentional, uh, Christine, and going about what we have to do each day, there, it seems to me as if there are multiple ways that you can use the intention or there are multiple ways that you can apply the intention. That's probably a better way for me to, to say it. Is there some, I don't know, tool, some mechanism, some way that we're able to know how to apply what it is we're sensing and feeling to our life or to our business? Mm. It's a really interesting question. I used to look outside of myself for that answer nearly all of the time because I felt like surely because I was relatively novice to this spiritual exploration, this was like within the last couple of years, that I couldn't know the answers. I needed to search elsewhere. But what I found is most useful nearly 100% of the time is simply to ask the question of yourself. Mm. And here's how it goes. Because asking the question of ourselves is the same thing as asking the question of the universe. And it typically, it's, it, and that's a beautiful way to do it because you're staying curious. Rather than collapsing the wave and saying, I know how this is going to work out. And uh, th- so that essentially creates a collapsed energetic form because you're making a conclusion versus asking a question. You could ask a question if it's related to your business. You could say, hmm, I see this insight. This is really coming to me really powerfully right now. I wonder what it looks like to incorporate this insight into my business. And you just put that out into the universe. You could even say, I'm so curious how this is going to turn out. This is really powerful for me, how it's showing up. Universe, if you could just like drop me a few hints, I'm really wondering what this could look like for me. It's, it's creating that space of openness and then allowing, again, creating that space and allowing the newness to flow in. But the second part is to be really open and aware of when those signs are showing up for you, whether they're outside of you, which is really the inside of us reflecting outside, or if they're thoughts or feelings that are coming up in response. Gosh, Christine, you do it every time. You do it every time. I, I, I love how you, first, I love the way that you reframe, and then I can appreciate the answer that you just gave there. Um, 
there are some people who are probably listening to this who have more, they come from a more traditional background. I know that I grew up in a very traditional Christian kind of home. And some of this terminology may seem a little strange and weird and woo woo. Um, and I, I, I'm aware of that. And I just want to say, if you are here and you're listening or you're watching, don't worry. Okay. You don't have to, don't have to run in the opposite direction. A lot of this is terminology. While she was talking, you know, while Christine, while you were talking, I've, I recognized a big part of the challenge often is us asking for an answer, but not waiting for the answer. So we ask, hey, you know, I really want more money in my business, for example, but we don't wait for the answer to come. Instead, we get ourselves wrapped up in this anxiety and this pain, this fear, this worry, this tension. And so therefore, we can't even be aware when the answer comes and therefore do the work for application because there's always something for us to do. So thank you very much for sharing it with us the way that you did, because it said to me that there is an opportunity at every single moment to find the answers that are needed. The answers want to present themselves, whether you are going to quiet yourself through prayer, through meditation, whether it is that you are going to be aware, and there must always be awareness, but always be aware of what these signs are at all times. Because where do the signals come from? They come from nature. They come from the universe. They come from all around you. And the thing that is standing out to me here is that we must remain curious. We must remain curious, Christine. Christine, I want people to know you. I want people to know where they can find you, find out more about the rewilding movement, um, and also just also have an experience with you because you have a way of asking uh, these kind of revelatory questions, inviting us into an experience with you that then just turns things upside down. Um, I can say, and, and we have these enlightening conversations all the time, and I, I leave them feeling like, ah, yeah. So how, how do we find you? Yeah, so there's a few places right now. I do have a website. Uh, it's elevatedvibecoaching.com. And you can also find me on Facebook. I'm Christine Light. And I also have a private group on Facebook called Elevated Vibe Tribe. If you would like to join, all you need to do is request. There's a few quick questions there. In terms of the rewilding movement, I will say candidly, right now my website doesn't have the rewilding movement kind of packaged on there yet. And here's the reason is that I am, I am so excited about it that I have not yet limited it in that way. So I'm mostly sharing about the rewilding. I'm beta testing it with some clients who I'm working on. And when I say beta testing, I really just mean like, that's a phrase for saying it's not yet like pen and paper, like this really packaged formal thing. Um, but I am so willing to engage more on it with anyone who is curious and interested. If you would like to, to work on the beta testing of one-on-one, I'm going to be launching group programming on it as well very soon. Yes. Um, and then also we have, of course, right now, is very little that's certain with uh, the global economy or with what, whether people are going to be out of their homes and, um, you know, win. But right now, the, the goal or the aim is still to have a September rewilding retreat. Um, yes, yes. You know, that you and I are working on together. So. Exactly. I'm so, I'm so thrilled about that. Absolutely thrilled about that. Um, there's actually a, a response strategy for that. The way that we're able to pivot our message at the time of what now has become this global crisis and transition in the, in the area of 
between the medical area and economic and stuff. What do we do? How do we pivot our message? What do we pivot? How do we pivot from a marketing standpoint? And what do we do? And I think just this experience that you're given, this group experience, where as a, as a group of women, as a group of individuals, we can come and experience rewilding. It's powerful. Um, Christine, thank you so much. I have one more question for you, and that's what's your superpower? Like, what is your superpower, Christine? So you actually touched on it a little bit earlier. This is something that I just recently realized, and it is, I really feel like I'm like the mitochondria embodied right now. Wow. It's like marrying the spiritual and the scientific I really feel there's a lot of people who say this idea of being a bridge worker. And for me, that's really, 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 that's, it's so powerfully coming up for me right now. Because in talking with people, I've helped those who are, have, you know, not, who are kind of on the fence regarding what it means to be spiritual and what it means to be human and, and rely on science and, and, all, and, and such to, to really have a, a shifted perspective in almost an instant by just relating it to this tiny little organelle. It's amazing. I feel like I have superpowers given by my mitochondria and I've just been waiting my whole life to, to experience it. I also have a really strong handshake. So that could be a secondary superpower. <laughs> <laughs> it's true i'm told it all the time <laughs> yes i remember i actually remember first meeting you and actually getting your strong handshake Christine, you know one of your superpowers is also just being an awesome person i appreciate you thank you so much for coming inside of marketing launch radio today you you really are phenomenal thank you thank you samantha the feeling is so mutual i appreciate you having me here today all right guys well you go check out christine please do you won't regret it thanks again (laughs) if you're listening to this then you're probably in one of two scenarios either you're a woman with a great talent who's ready to launch your personal brand but isn't quite sure how to take the next step or you're running your own business you've got some marketing happening ads going and content maybe you've even got an agency but things aren't clicking just right and you're trying to tie all the pieces together. Well, if you want my help or just want to get an idea of what it's like to work with me, then just go to unlockyourbrandnow.com. Mm-hmm. I believe in simplifying marketing and uh, making it a process that's very, very easy. But I'm also on a mission to help every woman that I can launch her personal brand or her business brand in 21 days or less. So go to unlockyourbrandnow.com and go check it out.